Damn, man. Uh, back in Maine, Tony here, Party of Slay Podcast. I'm cold as balls because I just came back from Florida. If you guys have been following along on these social media posts that we put up, I was on the Gulf of Mexico yesterday as we're recording this. And today, back in sunny southern Maine where it was about 40 degrees colder. So how you boys doing tonight? I'm fucking cold. <laughs> wow, what an entrance. Uh, Anthony here. Now everyone knows when we recorded this. You exposed all our trade secrets, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> Where in the world is Tony Audio Slave Pod? <laughs> what is your social security number? You were about to drop that, too. Awesome. I was so. going to, I would have cut that out. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How you boys doing? I was on vacation for a week, but I mean, the pod rolls on. We, we continue to put out episodes, we continue to put out content. That's why you got pictures of me up against the beach at the Gulf of Mexico. But yeah, it, how you guys doing? Uh, last snowfall, we're talking weather now. Let's, let's say you know we're getting desperate on topics here. Last snowfall in Maine, hopefully for the year. So that's a, a good thing. I mean, we didn't have sunshine weather like uh, Gulf of Mexico. Nate, what are you, sunshine tax man over there? How you doing? Yeah, sunshine tax in SoCal. Although I'm not in the sunshine state, I'm in Austin, Texas, the music capital of the world, as they say. I don't know if that's really? an accurate the, statement. Every the, time I hear that, I'm like, everyone, like, New Orleans says that, Austin says that, Met, like, Nashville mm. says that, like... I say it about Long Island all the time. I know, yeah. 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 Like, who's really... No one agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> who's got the claim to fame? Portland, Maine? Yeah, Not no, necessarily. Hey, Lewiston, Maine! <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, so I'm in Florida, right? And watching the weather, you know, as we're talking weather, and there's a Cluiston in the in the middle of Florida, and I was like, "What the fuck? Is there Cluiston. a is there a clobbered too? I didn't know what was going on." Back to the deep main lore. What? Who? So, I mean, you clicked on the episode. You know what we're going to talk about. Do we want to get into that, or do we get any trivia this week? Oh, do you have a trivia question, Tuan? You Ooh. always you always have something. Yeah, you got I, trivia. I, I I I don't have one. That's oh, what I'm asking shit. you guys. All right, so what is the music capital of the world? <laughs> That's our trivia for tonight. <laughs> no, let's, let's just fucking jump right into it. We've got a lot to say about this band, as we've talked about them a ton, but we are going to deep dive Clutch's Blast Tyrant, which is a, a, a record near and dear to our hearts, a band that we would call a house band, I think. And uh, we've talked about Clutch a ton, but we've never really deep dove you know, a record or a show or any of that stuff. So we're going to do that tonight. Have we, though? Have we talked about them a ton? I was, that's what I was thinking about. For a potential, no, I would say house band. I don't know if we have. I don't think we have. I don't Three years I've... in, how have we not? There's some certain bands where I'm like, how have we not talked about them? So, I mean, we're due, but it's just kind of funny how that, you know, we got, we got distracted along the way. Well, it's two parts. I think it's part, like, let's save it because it's so yeah. sacred, right? There's always that element, like the Rage Against the Machine thing, like, hey, our tool, like, sacred bands like we don't want to overexpose we don't want to like reciprocate these stories that are like so sacred so let's hold on to it but the other part of it is like yeah we got you know we geek out a lot so we don't want to like give away everything yeah we've talked about them i guess in passing when they've made news but i don't know that we've done we've done any kind of like yeah talk about the music per se so let's let's do that we're gonna do that right now with uh clutch's blast tyrant which how do we want to start this do we want to like throw out early memories of it do we want to throw out where we first heard it any of that stuff yeah let's i think that's a good because that'll kind of get our personal juices flowing how's that for a visual yeah uh, yep. wow how's that? <laughs> <laughs> NC, it's officially nc17 yeah <laughs> so when we publish this it asks yeah. if it's uh, yep. explicit or clean and i've never hit explicit i've always yeah. hit clean <laughs> so if you've got kids in the car earmuffs <laughs> fucking earmuffs right now <laughs> no I, I let's do that all right so I, i'm gonna i'll lead off because i'm ready to go nate got me into this band my like early memories of the band in general we're trying to see them in portland at the, the old asylum which is now aura and not being able to get in because we weren't i don't think i was old enough but uh this record in particular nate was like if you're gonna start anywhere this is you know early what they came out in 04 so this is probably 06-ish. He's like, you got to check this record out. It's The band is awesome. Listen to the back catalog. You know, Listen to Elephant Riders. Listen to Pure Rock Fury. But listen to this first because it's probably their best album. And this is you know, a year or two after it came out. 
looking back on it today, I would say I think it is still, but we can get to that down the road. But yeah, Nate Nate got me into these guys really, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, and I've been a huge fan of the band ever since because of it, but this record was kind of the tipping point. Can you confirm or deny that, Nate? You know, it's it's bragging rights when You're you get You're slow some... to own it, man. Own it. Yeah, I showed you that shit. Well, I'm humbled because it's like, I don't feel like I, you know, have paved that way enough. And when you get that credit, it's, it's humbling because it's like, you know, when it's a band that's important or um, that someone holds to high regard, you, there's a level of appreciation that you're like, ah, oh, I'm that guy. Like, it's almost like having a kid and showing him the way, like, this is a band that's important and this is why. Especially if it's not like the ultimate mainstream band that like you're eventually going to find out about. Clutch is very mm-hmm. much like left of center. They were on like a lot of festivals and lineups that were almost different in a lot of ways, like metal bills. And all of a sudden there's Clutch. And like Clutch is definitely has some metal sensibilities, but they're not a metal band. So interestingly enough, like they've found a way to make their way onto different areas of the music industry that don't really correlate logically and so um yeah I'm, I'm proud to that fact that i introduced this to tone and my way of finding this band was very left of center it was like blue collar work you know work ethic in maine like working on the fish docks like rough rough environment working with some coworkers, sorting fish species in portland maine and someone started playing clutch and i was like this man what is this? This is this is pretty rad, and instantly became a fan and started following them. Have, had it not been that moment in time, call it two thousand two, I would. I don't even know if I would know who this band was because it just doesn't. It, like they weren't on the radio. There was no one was talking about them, even though they were on certain metal bills. They were not properly promoted at the time, and um, they're like a stoner rock band. So like even stoner rock was like, if you knew, you knew. If you didn't, like you know you're never going to find out about this band. So um, I was lucky to find out about them in that kind of unique experience. And so to pass the torch to, to tone on the, the legacy of this band is um, something I feel proud about. So both go way back. For me, it was at the college radio station I worked, worked in. Actually, it was, it was in this album cycle, I think, is when I got nice. into them. I did check my uh, spreadsheet of all the shows I've ever been to. And they, they're on it once, but I have no recollection of ever seeing them. So uh, it was Kandiria with Kandiria at the Asylum. But I... What, what was the date? I think it was 2002, 2003, maybe. So yeah, they're on either off-cycling Pure Rock Fury or like the second leg of that tour, probably. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Because it was uh, Scissor Fight, which fits in with Clutch perfectly. But Clutch must have opened. So that shows you, you know how much longevity plays into a lot seeing where they're at today. But it was, it was this album cycle. I, I have, I personally own two of their CDs, this one, and then um, robot hive, which was the one after that. So it was in that yep. 03 to 07 timeframe when I worked at the radio. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, all right, this is, this is pretty wild. Cause you gotta remember like in that era, when this came out, you had new metal on life support you had american metalcore taking over the world you had pop punk which was thriving all the the bands and then you have clutch you know as far as like guitar music all those different genres then you have clutch which is like i hear influences of other things i like but this is its own thing and that's what was the job absolutely yeah i would agree they were their own thing and they still are their own thing and that's kind of why they've been able to last 30 plus years as a band because they've been able to do them like there is no other clutch like the clutch is clutch and you know it you hear it you're like that's a clutch song that's and it doesn't even have to be the same sounding as another clutch song i would argue this record is probably the most cohesive clutch record out there there might be one or two other ones that are in that vein but they don't sound like those other ones either so the fact that they're able to do that over and over again with you know still sounding like them is amazing and they are their own thing and anyone that has this sound you will say that it's, it's not authentic and it's a knockoff, but Clutch, it's like you can see it, smell it a mile away. And it's, yeah, it, it's kind of maybe gimmicky in some spots, but that's them, you know? Yeah, well said. There's a gimmick there, which is almost like there's a humor there. There's like a not take yourself too seriously. 
But at the same time, if you're like a musician, this is like musicians. We, I think we've talked about it on here, highlighted it that there are certain bands that are like musicians, musicians. Like Clutch is actually one of them. So Agreed. the fact that they're like I agree. parroting their work, but also like executing to like 10 out of 10 is like an interesting dynamic because they're like making fun of like rock and roll cliche, but also executing the rock and roll cliche 10 out of 10 at the same exact time simultaneously is like, Kind of a mindfuck, to be yeah, honest. Better than the assholes they're parroting. Yeah, parroting. exactly. No, you're right. I mean, they they do have that kind of tongue-in-cheek vibe on some stuff, but then at the same time, it's, it's fucking masterwork, right? Like, it sounds so fucking good. So, uh, okay, yeah. So we all remember this in the moment-ish when it came out. I was a little later than you guys, but um, not long after getting, getting into it. And, I mean, now we've lived with it for, it's been out for almost 20 years. Uh, I think the, on, on the day we're recording this, it's a couple of days shy of its 19th birthday, which is wild and also nerdvoyance because we, I don't think we knew that when we decided to do this. No, it's just, it, yeah. And we, 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 t- we tend to lean into the anniversaries. Like we don't always have to, if there's an, there's an album we love, show it some love, man. Yeah, and that, that was exactly what we were doing with this. We were just showing exactly. it love because we loved it and uh, to have it, also, just kind of coincide with that was kind of funny to me, and more nerdvoyance, which we always bring up. But the thing that I, in looking and prepping, I saw that it was their sixth studio album last time. Crazy, crazy. And we've talked before, like you know, the first album by a band is their best album. The second album by a band is their best album. How many get to six and have an album this fucking good? Not many, right? Not many <laughs> at all. If uh, we, yeah. I mean, we we it'd be a case we'd have to study our catalog to even. It'd be hard. It'd be hard to get to four and be like, whoa, that's a really good album. How'd they pull that off on number four? But these guys did it on six. And then, I mean, I, I think they did it again on eight and nine, but that's a different story. But yeah, man, they, they just rule. And, uh, you know, the live show is awesome. They always find ways to places like Portland, Maine. They, they always come, come through us. I'm seeing them in a couple of weeks. Again, saw them two years ago. Saw them four years before that. Like, they, they make their way to their fans, which is always awesome. And that's, that's the type of stuff that keeps you coming back to a band like that. Yep. From Baltimore, Maryland, right? The band. So they're somewhat Northeast centric. And um, yeah, like you said, live show. If you've never seen Clutch live, their live show is a spectacle. Mainly Neil Fallon is the ultimate frontman. Like, I don't know if he was like in drama class in high school or something, but like there's a, there's a, uh dramatic like showman showmanship showmanship, like almost like circus vibe that is unparalleled that i've never i've never seen it in other and anyone else other than maybe perry farrell to an extent and then the band is just so tight like drummer bassist everyone in that band is so tight so you have like this perfect culmination of like artistry but also like showmanship and like we were talking about earlier like uh kind of digging at the cliches, but also executing at the same time. And like you said, sixth album too. So really unique, unique spot for this band. Well, and they, they've been the same foursome for quite some time too. They didn't start with Neil. It was the, uh, the other three guys, Jean-Paul, Tim, yep. and uh, Dan before that. And uh, a different vocalist, but not long after they formed, they brought Neil in. And I mean, obviously that was a gigantic win for them because Neil is such a different and amazing vocalist and, and a showman. So how do we want to approach this? Track by track, I think it's too cliche. Maybe we can just throw out some kind of topics or themes. Uh, sequence of songs. Perfect. Mercury, the minute intro, and then just isolated vocals. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Like that, we, we, always, we always talk about, did a band, you know, make the first song on the album intentionally or did they have uh, played the songs and you know out of those they picked an opener i feel like this was the opener from the jump had to have been i think you're right and you're right it's a great like you're, you're gonna get this kind of vibe from us and then the music stops and neil jumps into the first line of the record and you're like whoa okay we're in for a fucking ride right now <laughs> well, and you that, think it's that over. song you think yeah. the song's done and it's a short i mean it's not a super long song but it gets its point across and it it kind of prepares you for what you're going to get next. Yeah, I'd say it's accurate. I mean, there's no way to know unless we talk to them directly, but the sequence is, is pretty solid. I listened to it again today and prep for this. And it was like, man, like it flows together perfectly right until like the secret song. You're like, Oh, is it over? Nope. It's not over. A little instrumental track that comes in a little bit later. 
and actually showcases how good the rhythm section is for this band because it's 10 out of 10 like they could i think we've talked about it before it's another one of those bands that like could be a full-on instrumental band and be fucking solid in fact when i lived in florida st petersburg specifically uh neil had some kind of vocal issue where like it was day of show and they announced like oh neil's got like strained vocals he's not gonna be able to perform but they're gonna perform as the bakerton group which is basically all of clutch including neil just playing like rhythm and guitar and they're gonna play the show they're not gonna cancel they're gonna play but they're gonna play as the bakerton group instead almost as like a default instrumental version of clutch so it just shows that they can stand on their own in multiple dimensions which is pretty rad it's amazing i didn't know that story and we've talked i mean you and i have seen the band together what three or four times so many and, stories. Yeah, and like we just continue to have stories. All these things just keep come bubbling up to the surface that I didn't yep. know about. Like, oh, you lived in Florida, bro? I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the shows we've seen, there's just unique stories to every story. I mean, to every show. So. Absolutely, man. Yep. And then I think I'm going to probably mispronounce it, but La Curandera, the second to last song, that's a perfect placement for that song. The second half, just the guitars just go so hard. And then, you know, it kind of, has a soft landing with the instrumental. It's perfect. It's perfect. I had that written down. That that like <laughs> breakdown in the middle to the end of it yeah. as as a, a highlight of the record. And uh, yeah, good call. That's uh, that's nerd sees nerd on that one, Tuan. Nerd sees nerd confirms nerd and carries on. Third nerd <laughs> chimes in. Third, third nerd nerd is nerd confirms stunned. the nerd nerdery. <laughs> third nerd. <laughs> Third uh, nursing. Third yeah. <laughs> the third nursing, yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, so it's I agree with you. I think sequencing for me is perfect. I'm not sure there was there's anything I would change about it. Yeah, sequencing. I guess if you listen to the clutch albums from inception to this record, there is a shift in terms of production. There's a very like heavy production element with this record, but not in a bad way. And um, inter- interestingly enough, we were talking about like, how do you make like a perfect quintessential record for your band's legacy this far in? I don't know what it was. I mean, they were already signed to a major, right? Even Elephant Riders, I think, was on Atlantic. Come on, man. So, they worked with Machine. What do you they think worked it with, was? They did work with Machine. Very legendary producer that we've been trying to get on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, like the production element for this record in particular is, is very strong in a good way. It's I don't want to say it's overproduced, but it's produced in a way that like really accentuates the rhythm section in a way that like you realize like, oh, like their guitarist, is it Tim Salt, I think? It's like, damn, he's fucking Tom Morello level, which is a fucking bold statement. Tom Morello of Raging Against the Machine, but like very, very strong like solos, but just like the whole time, like you may like get lost in their like instrumental value but like you realize like he's standalone one of the best guitarists in the in the industry and you see it in this record because of the production so like you realize i think maybe on another nerd level that like production can really elevate people individuals in the band because the the volume's turned up well one note i took while listening to this i listened in prep for this i listened through it i think three times nerd notes nerd notes exactly and what I thought of was, this is what Audio Slave should have sounded like. Ah, uh, nice. Because this, this has Rage footprints all over it, guitar-wise. There's, you know, the, the, the guitar cadence, the, some scratching and stuff, like things like that. But this, in a weird way, almost has a little more soul than Audio Slave, which, mm-hmm. I don't know, and we've, we've talked about it. I'm, I think Audio Slave's overrated, but that's just me. You know, we're all entitled to our opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, um, we, we still love you. Check the pod name. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But, but like, I, as I was listening to it, I was like, this was like the potential of Audio Slave. That's interesting, because I, I don't think I'd ever thought of the two bands together. Or, or like the rage aspect, or the, the, I guess, the virtuosity of Tim Salt as a, you know, a listen soloist. Listen to Promoter. Or... Promoter, you listen to that, and you're like, oh, all right, this, so good. Oh. Yeah. this is like a hot take pretzel but like i agree with you but i'm like let's hear it let's hear it (laughs) no i'm just like i'm just ingesting right now (laughs) yeah right i'm trying to it's trying to go through the nerd and it does not ingesting digesting well it's like two of my favorite bands word vomit (laughs) (laughs) it's great that it's a great uh comparison because he i think tim is i think they as a band are that tight are that good we always talk about rage being a band that we the three of us 
absolutely love front to back. We've championed them on this podcast from day one, but I've never thought of the the two side by side. And you're right. I do think there's a little different, obviously sound and there's a little more soul in that than the, obviously audio slave for sure. Not necessarily rage, but audio slave for sure. Agreed. Yeah. So Nate, were you going to give a hot take or? No, I said it. I said, uh, what you said is a hot oh, take. Oh, okay. But what I was tr- I thought it was going to get spicy right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was alluding to is it's not something I disagree with, which is um, which is the hot take, I guess. It's your right hot on. take, and then my hot take squared, <laughs> squared, <laughs> nerdery squared, which is like, wow, I never, like Tone said, I never thought of it that way. And it's interesting because I don't think anyone, and if there's anyone out there that's listening that had this comparison, like, please speak up or contact us, like, putting clutch against the Rage Against the Machine rhythm section is like huge. It's like a giant dynamic because you have one of the biggest bands in music history against Clutch, which is like a if you know, you know type band, really. I mean, let's be honest here. They're a great band, but a lot of people might see them in a newspaper ad or whatever and just not flinch because they just would never know the talent that exists in that band that is parallel to like one of the biggest bands in, in the music history. So. Yeah, not necessarily hot take, but like I agree with you, but I've never thought of it that way, which is why we do this because it's like it puts everything in a different perspective of, yeah, you're right. I think Audio Slave is one of my favorite bands. And you have Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, one of the best vocalists of all time, rest in peace. But were they, you know, on some kind of crutch because they were combining two greats and leaning on just the greatness rather than? Where can we go? Which is Clutch has that flexibility because they're not fully appreciated where they can go into that artistry into a different dimension, which is really like a blessing in disguise when you really think about it. I think I'm going to disagree with you. And you said it a couple of times that I don't think they're under the radar. They've been around 30 years. People know who Clutch Clutch are, Clutch is at this point. Whether you like them or not, it's different. Uh, And case in point, I've been with my wife for almost 15 years and I put on blast tyrant while we were making dinner just as prep she's stuck now she's pot committed so she's got to listen to stuff like that every now and then but she she knew i liked them and had heard songs in the past but tonight she was like i like this more than i thought i was going to like it, Ooh, it, it you're gonna say the me. reverse no, say the she and some of it she, she didn't like all of it i mean it's not all for her but at the same time she was like this is dancier than i remember this is a little more mm. upbeat than i remember it's not as because Neil can sound angry, but he's not. Like, he's, I don't, he, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about half the time, but I love what he's, you know, the way he does it. <laughs> so uh, she, she was getting more into the groove aspect of the soul aspect that you mentioned, Juan. And, and that's somebody who's, they're under the radar, but they're not. She knew who they were, but and then she finally got an appreciation from them. And I think anybody that spends time with the band would, would find that. Any music nerd is going to be like, this band fucking rules. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's, there's something in you, that you said in that made me think of like, it's such a confident album. This chance is taken that others mm-hmm. wouldn't. And we, we've talked about this, talking about other bands and albums where, you know, this album could not have been their first album. Like, could you imagine a new band called Clutch has a song called Worm Juice and there's this fucking, <laughs> the Worm mob drink? goes yeah. wild. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know, there's just this confidence and they're comfortable in their own skin that just, you can't, I don't think you can teach and it just, it doesn't come immediately. They're just them. No, that's a great call. It's a great call. And it's interesting that it's their sixth album because this is usually with that kind of um, layout that you just mentioned, that's usually the third record or maybe even the second or fourth, if you really want to stretch it, but sixth is really a stretch. So, and it's usually after like signing to a major label, which they had already been part of a major label. So the whole like cadence of like, clutches risk taking whatever you want to call it is out of order with this with like this band's like <laughs> legacy and then like for me personally like i remember thinking down to like eking out and like in fact i worked the show uh on this touring cycle at asylum which is now aura in portland and thinking fuck man i really like their logo why did they switch up their logo i really like the classic clutch logo and being like bummed out that they even changed that up and then realizing like oh this is like not a concept record, but this is a different direction. Like, like you said, that confidence, like we're going to change up everything. We're going to like do a whole piece. Like this is like Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf. Like this is a full cohesive 
unit and we're going to change everything. Fuck the logo, you know? Yeah, good point. And they were able to obviously pull it off and continue to pull it off. So let's play a little game. This is on the fly, but I kind of wrote some stuff down. I want to see if you guys agree with me. Yeah, no rules. The, the name of the record isn't just Blast Tyrant, but Blast Tyrant on the whole, just by itself. Bandicap or Van Vantage? Blast Tyrant, Van Vantage. Nate? Uh, I've never thought of, that, thought of it that way, but I'm going to say Van Vantage, yeah. I agree. I wrote down Van Vantage. I think it's a great album title, the shortened version. Would you yeah. like me to read you the longer version? <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm reading it now, but yes. Blast Tyrant Atlas of the Invisible World with illustrations of strange beasts and phantoms. So hmm. if you're listening to this, not the day that it came out, but maybe the next day or the day after, check our socials. I'll have some of those strange pictures have put, been put up because I've got the, the vinyl sitting right next to me with a few of them in the sleeve. So there's some truth to that name, but that name would have been a bandy cap, <laughs> that length. Well, and, and to look at what it, you know, the album before this was pure rock fury. You know great. what I mean? Just very simple, which is great, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. very simple. And yeah. to get back to your point, Nate, of the artwork, it was them in like a field on the cover, you know, and with the classic clutch logo with the maroon and yellow, just yeah. classic. And then they go blast tyrant with a funky ass name, mm -hmm. even funky stripped down, yeah. funky visuals. But it works. You don't works. do that on record one or two, right? Yeah. No, yep. you don't. And it yeah. works. Like, well, what is going on on the cover? Oh, I, I don't fucking know. It's like a goblin of some sort on a, a throne on some clouds, maybe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my then, guess. I'm holding up the booklet, which is not... Like, you wouldn't even know it goes to the same album. No, right. Yeah, Yeah. usually that's like the, that's like the independent release artwork. And like the, you know, once you start... Yeah, Tone's holding up some gold here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically what's in the CD booklet, but in color, which is mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of vibes with the front artwork. But I wonder, like, what was the vision? Did they just, like, let an artist cook and say, hey, come mm -hmm. up with something? Or did they, were they, like, almost like an AI-generated bot, like, hey, <laughs> I'll put in Goblin plus Cloud. And in see 0, 04, I guess 03 probably, right, when they were okay. trying to figure out what they wanted to do. That's a great yeah. question, and at the same time, like, I, I don't, uh, you don't do this early. Like, it's just like, hey, we're just gonna go fucking ham with all of this stuff out of the out of nowhere. Like, people are just gonna have to deal with it, and it fucking all landed. I think it's all a bit advantage. Getting back to that, I mean, song title names, Prophets of Doom, but P R O F I T S. Oh like, my god, like, like money, fucking band advantage all day. Great fucking uh. song title. The mob goes wild. Untouchable. So fucking good, right? Subtle hustle, just the, the way that that flows off your tongue, I'm man. Ah, Ghost, Regulator, there's so many fucking good songs on here, and so many good names. Uh, it's just band vantages everywhere. You know what's funny you say that? So much of, like, song band vantage ties into, like, the mouthpiece of who's producing it. Like, Ghost, great song title. Ghost band name? Ah, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends, you right? know, it's like, it depends on the source, you know, and like, yeah, there's an element of cool with Clutch. I guess that's my point is like, with Clutch, there's an element of coolness. Like, if Five Finger Death Punch had an album called The Elephant Riders, I'd be like, that's stupid, but Clutch, <laughs> right. I'm in. It, it, fits, it fits with Clutch, absolutely. Man. That's a great Are they point. the coolest rock band in the last 30 years? Possibly. The positioning of, yeah, the titles and the imagery and the... I mean, when you guys were talking about the imagery, like, one band that came to mind was, like, Incubus, where, like, Incubus had Fungus Among Us, which was, like, that Blast Tyrant artwork is the demo. That's, like, the independent release artwork. Mm. Like, hey, let's get a local artist or Brandon Boyd, for that matter, to, like, put up some artwork and, like, that'll be our artwork. We can't afford to fucking hire someone. Let's do that. Clutch is the opposite. This is the fifth record in... They went that route. That's why this whole thing is like flip-flopped. It doesn't like really make sense. And that's why I was pissed when like I was working the show and I was like, fuck, I want to get like the record sign. I did. And I was like, I really want it with that clutch logo. But it's instead it's like this weird fucking stony imagery that like doesn't fit my whole like thing that I had on my wall, <laughs> you know, like with the logo. It's all about like, Nate. That's what, yeah, it's <laughs> all about me. Like not about you guys. It's about me. Like what the fuck? You just fucked up my whole shit. It's not about moving units. It's about my wall. Bitch. Yeah, like the aesthetic. I have a whole setup, and you guys just fucked it up with this record. 
yeah, it just shows that. But also, like you said, like, are they the coolest band? Well, yeah, because it, it flips to that point, that script of like, well, you don't have to follow this like linear way of doing things. Like you just do your thing. And like that way, that actually makes you cool because you're standalone. So um, they were able to pull it off and they continue to. But I, there's not many bands that, I mean, I can name a few. Queens of the Stone Age have done it. The Flaming Lips have done it. Clutch has definitely done it. Who else? That's a great point. But taking that risk, like you're really like just going on a whim, but also like really believing in yourself and the band's like music to showcase that artwork and full on optics to make sure that it's consistent. And I think that's, I mean, God, if you can do that, like you're set for life. One, and they have their own kind of company, right? Weathermaker, also a band vantage or a, a company record company name. Yeah. Band yeah. It's a great fucking name for any music really. I mean, really anything. It's just badass. And for, for them to kind of see their vision through that's, it's all through that. And they, anytime they do something, I'm, I'm paying attention just because they've been awesome as far as I, I'm concerned for fucking, for me, 20 years, but for most people, 30 plus. They're just a cool band. I mean, they, in 2019 or 2018, they did that co-headline with Kill Switch, which you're like, all right, that's kind of interesting pairing, but it works and it's co-headline. So you know what level they're at. And then like last year, they, they brought out Quicksand and Helmet. So mm-hmm. how many bands could tour with both Quicksand and Kill Switch? You know, they're like the Swiss army knife of. Well, and did yeah. they co-headline with Mastodon too? Yeah. Because that yeah. came through Portland. And I mean, they, I went to that yeah. tour. They, they fit with so many bands because they can live in all these worlds because they're fucking masters at their craft. I love that. In I fact, sound I like w- Nate. Sorry, I sound like Nate there. No, that's a good point. This has turned into just a clutch appreciation uh, episode. <laughs> it really has. Yeah, pretty much. We kind of knew it was going to happen. That Mastodon clutch show, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, went, I drove up to LA, what was that, like six years ago? to see that Clutch Mastodon show to see Clutch, but became a Mastodon fan at that show. So there's like a really like rewarding element to like a band that's that like transferable to get you into bands that like maybe you weren't really into or you didn't care about. And then like, well, now you're seeing them live, so you might as well stay for the show. And you're like, oh, fuck, they are good. If they're trying to Clutch, they have to be at least half decent. So I think that's fucking great. Also, although I found out about Clutch in like the weirdest fucking way, like working like this, kind of grungy job you start to like look back on like clutch's legacy and realize like oh this band is like a band's band like system of a down in particular like they're always wearing clutch shirts and i'm like oh like people fucking love this band but it's again it's it's like if you know you fucking know i'm gonna do you one better nate they're a nerds band because we're the same thing (laughs) we're doing the same thing with queens right when we went to tattoo the earth last summer i was wearing a queens of the stone age rated r t-shirt and if you don't know that, you're like, what the fuck are you wearing? But yeah. everybody, all of the musicians were like, fucking dope shirt, dude, because they knew the rated yeah. R. They knew the logo. They knew what it was. And they're, you're a nerds, a nerds band. That's what they are. Well, when we saw Seven Dust, you had a clutch shirt on and got approached at least once. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, that's just what happens when you're, when you're a nerd, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, wear fucking nerdery shirts, and like that's the Tinder of fucking nerdery. Just wear a fucking geek shirt. <laughs> uh, let's talk Neil's vocals. I like so. It. I like Neil when he's and I don't again. I'm not a vocalist. I don't know the proper like technical term, but when he's in like a higher register, so you have like yeah. Cypress Grove versus the talky, you know, the kind of the sing songy talky stuff, but like Cypress Grove. And I thought, I don't know. Do you guys remember Own Living's? from Boston, mm. no. metalish band. Well, the vocals are very much like Neil. So I'm wondering, like, were they influenced? I'm just trying to think of the timeline. The first Life of Agony album, River Runs Red, very much in that vein. Like later, the band Twitching Tongues, same vibe. So I'm just wondering how many bands he's influenced. But like, personally, I like that higher register. And he nails it. Like Cypress Grove, listen to Cypress Grove, you'll be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, agreed, and that's one of my favorite tracks on the on the record. But <sighs> any of those kind of faster, everything's coming at you, and then Neil throws the exclamation point on top. Mm, those yeah. are like the the pinnacle clutch songs for me. 
and I like the slower, but I mean, Regulator is a badass song. Ghost is a badass song. So they they do that well too. But when I'm looking for that kind of, like I said to, tonight, just listening to it again, realizing there's some kind of dancey aspects to them. Like they're not, it's not all, you know, doom and gloom, prophets of doom, but it, it is, it, it is upbeatness to it. And it's, yeah, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but it's, it's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> like it, it just gets you kind of going. It gets you wanting to move around and shake around while you're doing shit. Yeah, no, there's a theatrical element that elevates the song that's already fucking mint, but he brings it to another level. Like Neil is a, he, I think uh, Randy Blythe of, of Lamb of God has said it on Instagram many times. He's like, he, it, we should all appreciate Neil Fallon for, what, for who he is because he, <laughs> he brings things to a different level. So yes, 100%. So they play on the, like the last two tours I looked, they still play The Mob Goes Wild, Warm Drink, Subtle Hustle. And in some cases, just maybe two of those three, but like the, those ones they play. Question for you guys, because you guys are bigger, like you know the catalog. Like I know certain albums, you guys know the catalog. How is the Swollen Goat received like in Clutch's world? And I'll, you know, spoil it here. It's like one of my favorite songs on this album. So I'm just curious if that's as well respected as maybe I put it, you know? Hmm, I don't think they've, I don't think I've seen this, heard that song live, Man. but I would have to look back. Rage Riffs, mm-hmm. uh, just an album, album highlight for me. I don't know that I've ever seen it live, but the song rules. I love the kind of backwards E sounding riff at the beginning mm. into like the drum to do and then they go. But yeah, no, I, I hear you. I can see why that one's one that you like, but I don't know that they play. That's, that's a deep cut, right? I'm not sure that they're, dusting that one off as much live at least so i would love cut. to see it okay. yeah yep but they do that i've seen prophets of doom i've seen promoter i've seen regulator i've seen ghosts i've seen most of this album played live over the course of well, i don't know five shows four or five shows so i'm sure they've played it i just maybe not on a cycle that i saw them on yeah it's not one that i remember but i know like between that and army of Vano, like there's a lot of tom morello like I don't want to say influence because I don't know. We don't know until we talk to him. But like, well, they're about the same. They're about the same age. So that could be a yeah. Rage B side army, but like musically, think mm-hmm. yeah. if you turn that on and like the last, I don't know, like last minute that little breakdown, like the bass. Listen to the bass. Like you can feel it. If you have good headphones, it like permeates your soul, and that's what they do. Yeah, and and I would agree that. And going back to the Rage comparison, the. Uh, the rhythm sections are, are so tight that it makes everything else go. And if yeah. you ever like spent any time with this band, Clutch or Rage, you'll feel that and know that because it's hard to miss. I just played like a clip of Army and Bono and I'm fucking just ready to pound beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the mission. That's the mission. This whole record does that, man. And I mean, uh, give me some highlights. You get, give me a highlight of another song or two that you guys are, are just. I, I want to put that one on when I when I'm thinking of them. I mean, Worm Juice is untouchable. Like any band that warm has drink. the lyric, warm, warm drink, warm drink. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, the why I got tripped up is actually you can keep this in is the proof is in the juice, and that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's why I said Worm Juice. Hey, it's Worm Juice to me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> what it means to you it's a personal story when you listen to these personal. records nate scotch tape that i wish you saw <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, I couldn't connect with worm drink but worm juice really spoke to me <laughs> proof is in the juice baby up until like today right now i always thought that ghost was eulogy of a ghost and it's actually just ghost so mm, yeah but he does say it in the song right but in terms of like standout tracks like eulogy or sorry ghost is like so like out of nowhere in terms of like this record's cadence where it's like not necessarily a ballad because it's still a rock song and it still gets into a, a rock riff. But the entrance of the song, I'm like, am I listening to Pink Floyd right now? Like, what is this? Kind of just like fades into this like weird fucking gaze. Shows like the textures that this band is able to touch. And like, in fact, Clutch could write a whole record on just the vibe of Ghost and, and fucking kill it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Regulator. That one kind of fits in there too. Yeah, It starts sure. kind of... Like acoustic guitar and and then into that kind of slow riff. I fucking love that. Yeah. And like the picking on that song as it kind of picks up, and then they go hard at the end of it. That song fucking rules. 
That's what I love. The fact that they build up. There's another rage parallel there. That, that it, there's always a build. There, not always. A lot of times there is a, a very much so a build up. Mob Goes Wild's awesome. Go watch that video too. It's got the Jackass Boys in it. Ryan Dunn, Don Vito, uh, Dick Miller. Bam Margera was the director, I think, and, and looking at the uh, research for for this tonight, and uh, a great video and and great fucking lines. I mean, I've got a couple of lines from songs that just blow you away. Oh, nice! Everybody go to Canada, smoke lots of pot. Everybody go to Canada right now. In yeah. two thousand four, makes 2004. way too much sense. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Bum rush thinking. the border. I listen to that in the gym today. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first line of. Prophets of Doom, born with a mustache and a supernova. Oh, dude, that gets me every... I actually literally laugh out loud every time I hear that. I can't not. It's so fucking good. And that's like the parody of the band, which is like, dude, like just to write that down and record it, like, it's hilarious. I got your heaven. I got your burning hell. Yeah, so good. So, so good. Did you have others? Those were the two ones that just jumped out at me in the beginning of, of Prophets of Doom that uh, please allow me to undo do my pants. That's yeah, <laughs> so why so I dance a good time dance. Oh, <laughs> so that's, that is the best. Yeah. Uh, Nate, when you, were, when you were moving out to California, right towards the end of your time in Maine, we hung out where you were living, which was Rob's at the time, and, and listened to this record while we were pregaming to go in town. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't remember that at all? Wow. I mean, it probably happened a few times, but it, well, I think yeah, so. that's true. I, I think I brought it over to your place in South Portland too, and we listened to it there. I, this mm-hmm. record has kind of always just been around, which is which is why I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, sentimental value to this record is very strong. Actually, that's why another reason why it's such a great record is because, like, and music in general, right? It's like you have like connections and memories and friendships that are tied to certain songs and records that are like elevate the record to another level to another stratosphere and this one is yeah between moving and just friendship and um talking about it deep diving on like the intricacies of this record in particular now is um is a is a nerd fest <laughs> we're going to nerd fest nerd fest yeah <laughs> well you asked you, third you... nerd <laughs> third nerd third nerd nay you you talked about i think you said you know am i listening to clutch or pink floyd I just looked up Neil Fallon's influences and I know mm. he's, you know, he's, he's not necessarily the rhythm section, but there was a metal hammer, a little uh, interview or, you know, kind of piece they did with Neil and he cites, you know, 10 albums that changed his life. Pink Floyd, dark side of the moon. Mm. There's bad brains, self-titled black Sabbath, self self-titled. So you can see the range Fugazi public enemy, you know, he's all over the place. So, what do all those bands have in common? Showman frontmans. Oh, Think yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> HR yep. with Bad Brains, Ozzy with Black Sabbath, yeah. Ian with Fugazi. It's just like they make the band. Yeah, people that you know, household names in in the nerd world, the nerd world country. The ne- <laughs> oh, that's the that's the king right there. <laughs> that is cool like though. Draw. If you throw those in a blender, like. Clutch does seem to be the output, so that actually is very intriguing. We're missing all we're missing is like some bluesy stuff, but that's yeah. that's the musical aspect. The the, the uh, you know the Tim and and Dan and and Jean Paul. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's Tom Waits on this list. There's mm-hmm. you know a few other bands. So you yeah you throw all that in a blender, Funkadelic. You throw all this in a blender, you're getting Clutch. Like it, you're basically it getting out. Clutch. Yeah, <laughs> it checks check out. out. All right, let me hit, hit you guys with a question. And I think we got Tone's answer earlier. Is this the best Clutch record? I really like Blast Tyrant. I really like the self-titled Clutch record. I put those like usually at one and two. But after listening to Blast Tyrant today and in prep for this, and given the historical personal connection to the record, I think I do put it at number one, which honestly I never did before. I always put Blast Tyrant one, self-titled second, Blast Tyrant third, and moved to first. What, you'd blast Tyrant 1 and 3? It's that good. It's that good. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been Pure Rock Fury, self-titled, and Blast Tyrant. But I think Blast Tyrant moved to number one, actually, after uh, studying for this. But a lot of it has to do with personal connection to the record. So that shows that it, you know, it elevates the music to a different level, given personal connection and, and just cor- correlation and stories to, oh, this record means this much to me personally. It's my favorite Clutch record. but. 
I I really love Earthrocker and I really love Psychic Warfare and I've spent a shit ton of time with those two as well. And Elephant Riders is really good. I, and the Book of Bad Decisions got some good songs in it. The new one's cool. Uh, they they're one of my favorite bands. So I, it, yeah. you can't go wrong. It just depends on the mood you're in. But I think Blast Tyrant is one for me. Yep, it's mine. Out of what I've heard, I've never heard Transnational Speed. I'm looking at the discog now. Transnational, I've never heard. I've never heard Beale Street to Oblivion, Strange Cousins from the West, Book of Bad Decisions. There are a few that I've got into via you guys from the podcast, just from like Sunday spins and stuff like Earth Rocker, Psychic Warfare, and the new one I did check out, uh, which is very good. Earth Rocker rules. I remember I was flying to our friend's wedding and it came out that like we had a 6 a.m. flight and it came out that day and it was like the early having Apple Music time, so almost 10 years ago now I had it, and I remember downloading it or buying it or whatever, because I think I still did back then, and having it on my phone for the flight, and just, okay, we're flying from, I think we were in Boston, flying all the way to the Dominican Republic, or Miami, and to go to this wedding, and I just fucking cranked it the whole way down and the whole way back, because it was a new clutch record that I wanted to, you know, just sink my teeth into. And uh, that's when that one's really, really high up. But Blast Tyrant's the best. So I'm reading a review of um, Earth Rocker, and uh, people compare it to Blast Tyrant, and they praise it for kicking harder than a mule on steroids. Can you confirm? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to yes. say it's an interesting way of putting it, but yes. It's got it's got the same kind of stuff as as Blast Tyrant does. It's got the funky titles of songs. It's got the yeah, uh, you know, tongue and cheekness of the, of the we're making fun of the thing, but we're not. And then we're also fucking slaying it at the same time. Like the Wolfman kindly requests. Like what a great fucking song title. No, true. Crucial velocity. <laughs> the first time I listened to to Earth Rocker, I remember thinking this is like where Blast Tyrant left off. So it is kind of like. Could Absolutely. very well it yep. could very well be B sides of Blast Tyrant in a lot of ways. Great record. Oh, it's it's I think it's better than B sides, but it, yeah, I hear yes. what you say. It's very <laughs> this one and then I, it, listen to Psychic Warfare also fucking great. Like yep. that record from front to back is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Quick Death in Texas is a badass song. I, we, we're doing this again. We, we'll come back to Clutch another time. We won't do all of the records right now. But fuck, well, man. there is a common link between those albums between Pure Rock, Blast Tyrant, Earth Rocker, and Psychic Warfare. It's Machine. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. A little, little, yeah. little, little, little finger, finger uh, prints little in there. Little nerd note. Little nerd note for you. Twal just put the glasses back up on his nose, just if you guys are wondering. <laughs> I can't see you guys. Where are you? <laughs> we love this fucking record. We love this band. I mean, shit. What else you guys got? You got anything else we want to add to this? Uh, not much other than we lived it in the moment, or at least I did working at the asylum. I think I highlighted this earlier but I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more. I was so like fanboying onto this band record dropped in 04. Right. So I was working at asylum, which is now the aura in Portland, Maine. I was not even of age to be in the venue, but I was bar backing. So I kind of like worked the system to be able to be in the venue, to watch the show as an employee. So I would do a bar backing shift and then cut my shift right before the headliner came on, which was Clutch. And trade is, secret, by the way. Trade secret. It is a trade secret. So anyone listening, like, this is an, another nerd note. If you want to <laughs> see a show and you're not 21, work a bar back shift. Make sure that you cut out before the headliner goes on or even a little bit before if you want to see the opener, which I saw, Scissor Fight, great band. And see Clutch's full set for Blast Tyrant and fucking lived it and uh, loved it because Asylum or now Aura, small cap. I think at the time it was 500 cap, small. Yeah, it was tiny. And just like, because they were such, I want to say in their heyday, they still are, but like, especially since we're talking about this record being so tight, very much so in the show too. So it was just great to see them, huge fan, you know, in the, in the tour cycle and everything and just really living it. So uh, really being stoked on them and, and being like hospitality, so like bringing them the food and be like, oh, also, can you sign my record? <laughs> so I did it all. And for, for those keeping track at home, Aura. The venue formerly known as the Asylum. Yeah, exactly. That and and this show, which was probably uh, September of 05, Nate, and I'm looking at the set list right now, 27 songs. Jesus, calm down, guys. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm counting right now, just off the top of my head here. One, 
there's probably three, four, five, six songs off of Blast Tyrant because it's uh, probably the second leg of the Blast Tyrant tour. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember the merch table too had like T-shirts and some stuff, and like I don't think there was much vinyl, but vinyl wasn't. This just shows you like time and place. Like vinyl really wasn't big then, so it was like CDs everywhere and like one vinyl if you want it. Like here it is, but like yeah, obviously like you don't really care. Now vinyl's huge, so like everyone would be flock. It would be like kind of flipped. So mm-hmm. yep. it's interesting. Yep. Well, shit. I mean, oh, man, that would have been a b- badass show to be at. I'm I'm jealous of you now. I, just I tried to get it. you in. I know. I I, rem- I remember Nate. I can see it clear as day. I'm not gonna call anybody out right now, but I could see that <laughs> moment in my head clear as day. And I'd have been a fan earlier on. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. We need to come up with a show regret term. Where it's not your fault, right? I it's tried. Like, I was. There. It's like someone else's fault. It's not regret because all the makings were there for made, me yeah. to be there. Exactly. Yep. Show universe didn't give a fuck. Regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Universe said fuck you or kicked on your ass. What what happens? What happens in in Fresh Prince of Bel Air when he, uh, Uncle Phil throws uh, jazz out the out the house? That's what happened to me that night. Essentially. <laughs> Show Doom Saloon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we obviously massive fans of this record. If you haven't ever listened to it, I'm not sure how you get to this point, but if you haven't, go check it out. If you have, obviously you probably listen, go back and listen to it right now, and I, I envy you. I might do that later as well. Yeah, this is like, actually, maybe we end on this, and it doesn't have to be a long answer, just a short answer. Like, what is this album a soundtrack to you for you? For me, it's kind of what we just did, hanging out with the, some friends, having a drink. Like, that, that's what it is for me. A fun record, a fun record to to play and just hang out with friends. I agree. I've put this record on in a bunch of different scenarios in my life, but it always comes back to I'm just hanging out. I'm you know I'm cracking a brew. I'm enjoying either talking about it with friends or by myself. You know, throwing the vinyl on or something. Man, classic record. And think about if you're a listener to this podcast, we've only done the deep dive on maybe a handful, ten albums at the most, so you know where this stacks up for us. So if you haven't heard it, go check it out. If you know it, spin it again. And uh, we are going to see you guys next week. We will be back again with the quickness next week with another episode of the Podio Slate Podcast. Peace, potheads. Down with the quickness. <laughs> next week. To geek out, nerds. Cheers. Master arithmeticness. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Podio Slave. We are at Podio Slave on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places that you can find us on social media. Facebook, Podio Slave Podcast. YouTube, Podio Slave Podcast there. Email us at podioslavepodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to become a supporter, click on the link at the bottom of the episode and give us a dollar, give us five bucks. It keeps the lights on, keeps us going. We really appreciate that stuff. Thank you.